Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Watched a Thing. You've got Billy, you've got Topher, We Watched a Thing. How are you, mate? I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you, Billy? I'm not too bad. What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Uh, look, uh, nothing. 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 <laughs> you? Uh, well, shit, nothing. You caught me. <laughs> no, I haven't even been watching anything, I guess. I've been watching Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, I just watched the first two episodes. You in, you on board? You enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like a baby Yoda? Oh, he's the greatest, isn't he? <laughs> the child. I actually, I think the child is a better name for him. I, th- I think that people should have gone with that instead of baby Yoda. Well, baby Yoda is misleading. It is. Or or is it? We don't know. He could be a baby Yoda. Mm, I doubt it. Yoda could have got a little bit, oh, you know. Look, Yoda definitely fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we've got a we've got a competition going. A what? A competition. Strike me down with a feather. (laughs) With thanks to our very good friends at Dendi who gifted us a double pass to see Sorry We Missed You, Ken Loach's new film. That looks, I think that looks good. Yeah, I'm keen. So that double pass is a distributor pass. That will work at all cinemas Australia-wide, not just Dendi cinemas, even though if there's a Dendi near you, do them. Why would you go anywhere else? fantastic. But if you've got a or a or a or something near you, um, you could definitely go there as well. Uh, But- I didn't want this competition to just be for our Australian listeners. So, the competition will be open worldwide. There'll be two winners, one international, one in Australia. If you're Australia, you get the bonus passes, a fancy We Watched a Thing mug, and you will get to choose a movie for us to do on the show. How about that? Sounds great. If you're international, you'll get the other two prizes, just sadly not the bonus passes. Wow, wow. Uh, To enter, all you have to do is head to wewatchedathing.com forward slash competition and fill out the little form. Oh, that's it. What does that so involve? Well, you've got to give us your details so we know where you live. Well, not not like not your house. We'll we'll pass that on to some Russian yeah. <laughs> intelligence services and and tell us your top three films of the decade. Oh, how do we then pick? Well, I think that anyone who who lists a film that is also in one of our top ten will go into the draw, and then it will be random. So we're excluding people that don't have the same taste as us. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> What do you think? Do you think we cut that? <laughs> just tell us your, your top three of the decade, just so, just for a bit of fun. Uh, and it'll just be a random chance draw. Random chance draw. I yeah. like it. <laughs> I like it. All right. Should we That's, spoil the Irishman? Let's do it. <laughs> this week, we are talking about new film from a fella you might know. Yes. One Marty Scorsese. Yes. Marty's back. He's back with The Irishman. The Irishman. Is Marty back in full form, though? I guess we'll find out. The Irishman, also titled I Heard You Paint Houses. In fact, that's the only way it's titled on screen in the film, which is interesting. Weird, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, an epic crime film directed and produced, as we said, by Scorsese, written by Stephen Zalen, based on the 2004 book I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt. Stars Robert De Niro, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. Jeez. Uh, as well as Ray Romano, Bobby Cannavale, Anna Paquin, Stephen Graham, Stephanie Kurtzba, Jesse Plemons and Harvey Keitel in supporting roles. Um, what's it about, Tooth? It's about life. It's about death. It's about loss. It's about regret. Yeah. That is what it's about. That is what it's about. One of the things that most- The thing that most people have been talking about this film is the runtime. You watched it in one sitting? Yeah, I saw it at the movies. Yeah. How did you- You enjoyed it at the movies? Yep. Yeah. All right, like, first first off, I, I had a Billy moment. 
did not feel like three and a half hours to me. Yeah, yeah, cool. I think maybe part of that is like you just get to a point, like it chapter two. Oh, that's too long. Two hours forty, and it was yeah. like, wow, this feels like a long time. Yeah, with with the Irishman, I think there comes a point where this just becomes what you're doing. Yeah, like yeah. it's not even like, wow, this is long. I've been in this chair for a long time. Yeah, like this has just become my existence yeah. <laughs> at the moment. And this is why I do think it's interesting. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say the main thing people are talking about with this movie is the runtime. If you look on social media, that's there are memes about it. Like that's what people are talking about. Yeah, it's one runtime, two Anna Paquin. Yes. Or lack or lack thereof. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because there have been long movies before. And I think that I I think you're right. I think that the movies is actually the way to see this. I think if you're really keen on seeing these movies the cinema is probably the way you should have gone. And it, which, again, is interesting because people are used to binge-watching extremely long series through Netflix. So it's interesting that people are not able to do that with this. To be honest, I think that speaks about the film itself because I struggled with this movie. I watched it in three sittings. I actually looked up a guide on how to watch it as a miniseries, which told you, you know, exactly which time codes to do for four parts. And I watched two parts the first night. But I, I, I struggled. I, I was not interested in this movie. Well, that's sad. But here's the thing. Do I think this is one of the best directed and best shot movies of the year? Yeah, I do. I think the direction is what saves this movie. The acting, obviously, is very solid. I think that's where it ends. I just don't think it's very interesting. I don't- Look, and maybe that's me. I'm not, I'm not a gangster movie person. I think there are some great ones. Do I think this is as good as The Departed? No. Do I think it's The Godfather? No. I think it's a fine gangster movie. And if you're into gangster movies, you might like it more than other people. But I don't think it's a great movie. It's interesting. I, I haven't really approached it from the gangster point of view because the gangster of it all is more the setting than what it's about for me. Yeah. Um, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I can, I can understand what you're saying. It really- I think this is more my struggle with it is I feel like it's it's probably leaning more towards a character piece, but it's a character piece without a lot of development. Like if you look at Frank Sheeran as Robert De Niro, this isn't Breaking Bad, for example, where he starts and through a journey, he turns into this vicious mobster. He just kind of does it and- there's no real feeling or reason behind it, I find. There's no motivation. He's just like, yeah, I'll do this now and this is what I do and I follow these people. But you don't get a sense of him following them because it, it's not like when you watch The Godfather and you see people following Marlon Brando because of this presence he has. You don't feel that in this film. He just kind of does it. Do you Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yep, I do hear that. Um, and I was interested. I thought I was interested to talk to you about it because I was like, it's so rare that we have- a really different experience of having watched the thing. That's true. And yeah. one of the things that- One of the reasons that the film really does land with me, I think, it's hard to say because I've only experienced it one way, but my suspicion is that the length, the length of the film, the thing everyone's talking about, that lived in experience with the film and with the character by three hours and 20 minutes in, there is this weight- to it, yeah, um, that I think really pays off right at the end of the film when when really you get where where Frank is at, yeah. Now okay. that he's 
in a completely different state of mind to, say, Henry Hill at the end of Goodfellas, yeah. where, sure, Henry Hill has regret, but he has regret because it's over. Yeah. The, the yeah. ride has come to an end. Yeah. Whereas completely different here with Frank, looking back going, fuck. Yeah, like this, this, this was my life. This is what I did? Yeah. Is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> Anna Paquin- I mean, she won't talk to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> she won't talk to me. She won't say a thing. She won't say a thing. <laughs> I've heard more from the baby in The Simpsons than this girl. Which is, it, it, it's funny though. It, it would be easy to say that Anna Paquin is underutilized, but because she's Anna Paquin, she does a damn good job at saying nothing. And I believe, my sus- I, think, I think I heard this, that like in the original script, like Anna Paquin has lines. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, so- the choice, which I so like, it leads me to think that, of course, it's then a very specific choice to have her as this silent witness, and we experience her, yeah, the way Frank experiences her, yeah. So that's it. Sucks for Paquin, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it sucks for anyone that wants to hear anything from not an old white dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, like Beth, who hated this movie. And, and it's easy to see why, because she doesn't like old white dudes. <laughs> hates them. <laughs> but, yeah, well, so, like, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a shame for Paquin. But there is a point to it. I think it lands. Yeah, I definitely- That's an aspect of the film that I think definitely lands. And as I said, I think the direction is extremely strong. I think the way this movie is shot and the way it flows for such long- Everything is intentional. I have no doubt behind that. I, like- I'm sure that Marty could have looked at this and gone, you know what, I'm giving this a deep edit if he wanted to. But as you say, I think the length is is honestly part of what it's trying to do. For me, it just didn't reach because I was missing that emotional connection with the characters. I was I, I was missing I do wonder if this would be a different experience similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where for Americans who were there during the time, it was different. And I do wonder if it would be the same for viewers watching this who, for example, were aware of Jimmy Hoffa and knew about, you know, the climate at the time. For me, I, I'm missing that. So, I don't I don't have that to connect with. I don't have the characters to connect with. I'm kind of just watching this thing unfurl and going, I just don't really care. Yeah, the, the, the Jimmy Hoffa of it all is interesting because he bobs up in the film and I'm like, I feel like I know that name. I know but his he name. does, but like it means nothing to me. No, I know it from The Simpsons in a throwaway reference. Is I'm pretty sure probably the only time I've heard it, and it's stuck in my head. I know the name Jimmy Hoffa, but no idea. You know, like, but yeah, with the the film's quite sedate. It moves in a kind of stately manner. Even the very first shot is kind of riffing on the shot from Goodfellas. Mm. We have this steady cam shot that tracks through. In, Gone is the the glitz and glamour of Goodfellas. Yeah. And we're in a fucking home. Yeah. No, the direction is is brilliant. This, every every hit in this film is executed so nicely how it's just rushed and it's it's not you know, it's not like those gangster movies where the hits are these big glory kills that are like tent poles of the film. It's just it's over so quickly and so quietly and that it almost seems cowardly. Every time he shoots someone, he basically just runs away. And I think that's that's really nice and that's different. And the way that they're handled in the film are really nice. Yeah, I think it's a really well put together sequence when he when he does kind of run you through the ins and outs of following through with a hit. Yeah. And the, the going in and the checking the bathroom. And then yeah. when, when it happens, 
It happens in a flash. That's the thing. He makes it seem like this extremely well-planned. You know, when he, he takes he takes more time to choose his gun than he does to execute the kill. And that's a really nice touch that it, this is really, it's the first time we've seen it. And it's probably more like what it would be like. <laughs> we've got to talk de-aging. Oh, we do. We do. I think this is some of the best de-aging we've ever seen. And I think that's because they don't try too hard. Uh, like, And one thing they do really nicely is instead of just, instead of Robert De Niro now being old Robert De Niro, they age him as well, which means that what he actually looks like in present day now is kind of the middle area of the film. Like the, where the film lives and breathes really is just standard Robert De Niro. Yeah, that, that framing device of the car trip yeah. is kind of, yes, De Niro. So, you've given yourself some wiggle room with making him older exactly. for the, the kind of narration. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's Which a is really, good choice. It's a really smart choice because it makes, it makes young De Niro look so much younger than, you know, when they've aged him for the nursing home. And really, all they've done, I think, is dye his hair black. They haven't tried too hard. There's no horrific CGI going on. It's just- it's. It's kind of really underplayed, which I think works so well. Like, I still see it. Like, yeah. There's, there's never been a movie where I've been like, yep, I'm just completely, I'm completely immersed by it. And, and so, in this film, yeah, I'm like, oh, yep, that's, 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 not, that's not Rob De Niro I'm looking at. It's, it's bits of Rob De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, normally in a film, it happens in fits and spurts. Yes. Whereas in this, I think eventually I forget about it. Mm. Because I'm with it for so long. That's true. That's true. Because the DH segment is like an hour. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of the film that every, yeah. that people are younger in. And eventually, I just accepted what I was seeing. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of distracting character things in a Scorsese film, it's it's nowhere near the wig that Harvey Keitel <laughs> has in Last Temptation of Christ. So- Fine, bring it on. <laughs> it's nowhere near Ray Romano's distracting voice. <laughs> Highlight of the film for me. When you hear his voice before he rocks up, I'm like, holy shit, Romano's in this? <laughs> Finally, I can crack my impressions out again. We've all been waiting for it. Deborah, I'm a gangster lawyer now. <laughs> so it's been like a quarter of a century since De Niro and Scorsese worked together. Yeah. Like, it's actually been a really long time. I was genuinely delighted by the performances in this film. I think, as I said, I think the direction and the performances are so solid. You can't knock them. I think all three of the leads are outstanding. I think Joe Pesci is actually the strongest performance Pesci, in the film. Pesci's best on ground. And, and it's been so long since he's- like, oh, for Pesci him, gives zero fucks no. about- his career. No, for me, my, Joe Pesci for me is still home alone. Like that's where my head goes when I hear Joe Pesci's voice. And I think he was so great in this film. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a bad performance in the film, to be honest. And I think the chemistry between the three leads in particular all really plays well together. And that is, that's where your emotional investment is supposed to be. It's not meant to be on who these characters are. It's how they relate to each other. I just found it a delight watching these people do Genuinely great work again. Yeah. Because it's been a while since some Pacino's of, some has done it's anything. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's fun. Like, Pacino's funny in this film. Like, genuinely. Yeah. I, I found him just an absolute delight. I yeah. really did. Um, and that, I mean, that's, it might be my favorite scene in the film when at the testimonial dinner, Pacino and Pesci kind of not quite square off, but they have a, 
a robust discussion. Yeah. And bo- like both of them are just killing it in that scene. I've heard a couple of people be like, oh, yep, whatever, shouty Pacino. Personally, I think that's- Does love to shout. <laughs> I, like, I think it's pr- a really lazy label. Yeah. Personally. He's not Nicolas Cage. He's not. <laughs> he's not I, I, do, I understand where the label comes from. Yeah. And if you've seen him in the last 15 years, you get it. But the fact that it gets slapped on this performance, I'm like- I'm, Oh, uh, yeah, I don't see I'm it. I'm like, we were watching a different film. Yeah, I don't see it in this performance. My favourite scene in the film is actually a, a him moment um, when Kennedy dies and he has the thing about the, the flag at half-mast. It's just a really nice bit of performance from him where, again, he, there's no shouting at all. It's very, it's all in the facial movements, but he's, he's great. Reportedly, Scorsese had to ask Pesci something like 50 times before Pesci relented and said he would do <laughs> the job because Pesci's just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Um, which, you know, when you look like a cross between Frank Pantangeli from- Godfather 2 and Watto from Star Wars is not entirely <laughs> shocking. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, dude's still got form. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, now, obviously, there is Oscar buzz around this movie. And it is- Plenty e- of it. It is easy to say, oh, that's just because it's Scorsese and because the cast is, you know, it's the quintessential gangster cast that haven't been together in years. And so, of course, there's going to be buzz around it. Do you think that the buzz has genuine chances? And in which categories do you think this film is is genuinely Oscarable? I think this film is balls deep in the race for picture, director, supporting actor. I agree. But here's the question. Which supporting actor? Should be Pesci. But you think? Might not be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Anna Paquin. Yeah, leading role, Anna Paquin. <laughs> you think it's going to be Pacino for supporting? Just because it's Pacino? Yeah. I'm just like, I can picture a world where people are like, wow, we haven't really had a chance to nominate this guy in a very long time. Yeah. And it'll never come around again. Yeah. So, let's do it. Yeah, look, and I, w- I, would, I would be happy if this won Best Director, but I'm not going to lie, I'd be disappointed if it won Best Picture because I don't think it's- I, I wouldn't have- This isn't in my top five. This isn't in my top 10 for the year. And as I said, for me, it just didn't connect. I I recognise it's a well-made film, though, but I think where it's lacking is on the screenplay level, which I think this movie is a prime example of why screenplay is still the most important step. You can get some of the best actors in the world in a room with the best director at the helm of it, but I think if you're missing the emotional level of the screenplay, it's not going to land for certain people like me, at least. We mentioned before it's it's not a it's not a flashily made film. It's just like you just can't help it away. You just spend the better part of four hours <laughs> watching. It's just high level film craft. Yes, like even down to this was a little thing when when I was watching and I was like, you know, it's it's not a big deal, but it's just I don't think many people would think to do it. Mm. So when Frank heads off to do the hit that will change a lot of their lives. And Pesci drives him to that airport, and the plane heads off. And it's like, all right, we need some, we need some shots of a plane. You could really easily, and this, this still may have happened. It's like, all right, that's the kind of thing that second units taken care of. That, yeah, it may still happened that way, but I would venture to say, probably with some notes from Scorsese, that was like, every time we see the plane heading off on that job, 
we see it from behind. Yeah. When the plane comes back, the plane's heading back to us. Yeah. It's not, it's not a massive thing, but I was just sitting there going, how many people does that occur to, to not just show shots of a plane flying? No, I agree. And, and I was going to bring up also the scene where Frank takes his daughter, who at this point is not Anna Paquin, <laughs> to the grocery store after she's been shoved. And he leaves her out the front. He goes in, beats the living shit out of the dude and comes back out. Now, that is, that's quite a long shot, which is really just a locked off wide establishing shot of this grocery store uh, where he goes in and he's in there for probably at least 30 seconds and you hear the sounds and stuff. It would be so easy for most other filmmakers to cut to a reaction shot of watching this happen. And, but Scorsese doesn't do that. And it actually, I think, would take a lot of restraint to go, no, we're leaving it on this one shot for 45 seconds and and this is where the storytelling is happening. Yeah. and Because there's, there's a distance from the action. Yes, exactly. R- mirroring the start of the distance between exactly, the characters. It's exactly. fucking perfect. Like, Scorsese can do the beat someone up in a grocery store scene really well. He oh, did it yeah. in The Departed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He he could go in there. He could show us what's happening in there. He could show us Anna Paquin's face reacting, but he doesn't. As you say, we're seeing her at, at, like the relationship between the two of them. It's distant. It's silent. It's and it's such a nice shot that not many other directors would have the balls to say, "No, we're just locking off this shot." <laughs> yeah, but you've got such confidence in your craft yeah. that you're like, "I only need to do this one. I can do this in the least. I don't even need to get out of first gear." Yeah. And that's not in a lazy way. It's just because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I, but yes, if you're secure in your talents, which if you're Martin Scorsese, <laughs> you <Yeah>. probably are. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like obviously we had quite differing experiences with this film, even though we feel the same way about a lot of it. How are you scoring it? I think it's high class stuff. I'm an eight out of 10 on it. It's a film that just makes so much sense right now. From Scorsese, yeah, because it is looking, you, it's 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 a close to the end looking back thing, yeah, yeah, and like you can just you can feel the filmmaker in the film, but not in a distracting way for me, yeah. I'm blown away by the guy. It's oh, like yeah, it's Martin Scorsese, and this this is why I I struggled so hard with rating this film because from a technical standpoint, I can't I can't agree with you more because. It is so masterfully made. Scorsese hasn't dipped at all. This cast is the best they've been in years, and yet I just didn't enjoy myself. Whereas if you look at other films this year that I've given an aid or higher to, films like Parasite, Knives Out, films that are genuinely entertaining, and this I can't help but feel, and you kind of touched on it without saying the words, it's a bit (laughs) self-indulgent, this movie. And there's nothing wrong with that. That can work really well. But in a movie that is this long, it, it it became a real slog for me to sit through towards the end. So, I honestly, and I know that you're going to be shocked here, I can't give it higher than a six. And I feel dirty saying that because it's such a well-made movie. But I'm not. it's not a recommend from me. If you wanted to watch this movie, you've already seen it. And if you haven't watched it yet, you don't want to see it. And I'm not going to change someone's mind by saying, go watch this movie. Because if you're not interested- Watching the movie is not going to help. Mm. So, yeah, I'm a six out of ten. I was thinking today about, because I'm in a, a Star Wars run. Yeah. L- yeah. Leading up to Rise of Skywalker. Yes. And I was thinking about, you know, that, that gang of filmmakers in the 70s. And just like, Marty is still 
killing it. Like like you said, the film the film's not for you. Yeah, but there's no argument. There's against, no denying on the filmmaker against what Martin Scorsese is still capable of. Now, Francis Ford Coppola has not gone dormant. It's just that no one notices when he makes a film. Mm. George Lucas, sadly, oftentimes used more of a joke than he is a filmmaker. Yeah, which is true. Yeah, and even Spielberg, like. Even his big crowd pleasers now, even if you enjoy them and they're fun, like it's not Jurassic Park. Well, that's the thing. You used the word crowd pleasers. That's what they are. They're not. It, it becomes hard to still think of them as films and art these days, which is a real shame. Mm. And he's like, Marty just killing it. Mm. It is a shame that Lucas really fell into that adventure sci-fi bubble. I would love to see a movie from him come out again like American Graffiti. You know, it's. I would like to see him try to do something, but I feel like he's just completely lost his passion due to the whole Star Wars-ness of it all. <laughs> Not touching it with a 10-foot yeah. pole is George Lucas, I don't think. Yeah. And I wouldn't blame him. I think George Lucas could come out with a 6 out of 10 film and people would be like, just fuck off, George. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even just Star Wars is like that now. Like- Solo, six out of ten film, I think, uh, and it the way it gets talked about is as if it's a two out of ten. Yeah, so I because I'm like as I said, I'm doing the run. Yeah, I watched Solo last week and I was like, this movie's fun. Yeah, yeah. We both rewatched Last Jedi this week because we'll we're doing a bonus episode which will be coming out this week before our um Rise of Skywalker episode where we're doing another debate with a couple of great shows. So that'll be fun. But rewatching it, I think the world was harsh on that film at the time. And I think the more times you rewatch it, the better it is. Revisit Star Wars, people. Do it. It's this little, it's this little battling franchise. <laughs> it needs our help. <laughs> All right. What are we getting to next week? Mate, Star Wars. <laughs> what? <laughs> we'll be heading to the midnight session and recording not long after. So the episode will be a little bit late, but you will be hearing about Rise of Skywalker from us. Looking forward to- It'll be fun. Jamming into Dendi with a bunch of other sweaty males. <laughs> in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchthething.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchthething. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchthething, and we'll catch you next week. Go watch a movie.